Well, it's clearly not just inflation that's worrying markets. It's the economic slowdown, helped along perhaps by central banks. But it's going to happen anyway, isn't it? Because of inflation and because of supply chain worries. We don't need official data to tell us that. Companies are telling us that, which is why shares are down again today and investors are buying bonds up. But on inflation, well, Australia isn't seeing the worst of it. But we do have a very tight labour market. What happens next with that? It's Friday. It's election eve. It's the 20th of May, 2022. It's the morning. Call from NAB. Good morning. So, no bounce back after yesterday's momentous fall. The equity markets did try it a bit. The Nasdaq was up half percent earlier, but it's down a quarter percent at close. The Dow has lost another 0.7 percent. The SP 500 is down a further half percent. And we've seen big falls in Europe as well, with the FTSE 100 down 1.8 percent. The Eurostoxx 50 down 1.4 percent. So, bonds are the safe haven of choice, pushing yields down, particularly 10 years in Europe, down eight basis points in Germany, taking it uh, well below 1 percent now. In the US, 10 year Treasury are down just four basis points. Two years, though, down almost nine basis points. The US dollar, with all of that, has fallen back. It's down 1% on the DXY. The Aussie dollar is up 1.4%, up to 70.5 US cents. The Japanese yen is up 0.4%. The euro is up 1.2%. Same for the pound this morning. And big rises in oil. WTI is up 1.8%, higher than that earlier. Brent is up 2%, both just over $111 now. So what is happening today? Taylor Nugent is uh, with us this morning from NAB in Melbourne. If you look at the equity markets, Taylor, it's uh, it's another pretty gloomy day. There is still loads of uncertainty out there, isn't there? Yeah, that's right. Still quite a lot of uncertainty and, and risk sentiment still certainly not looking positive. And um, kind of as you say, in, in Asia and, and in Europe, equity markets kind of took their lead from the, the big falls in, in the US the day before. And then as we moved into the the U.S. session certainly no no bounce in in those equity um, equity indices after the the large declines yesterday seems to be kind of concerns about um, about the U.S. growth outlook specifically this time with kind of as you say the um, the U.S. dollar weakening a bit and, and and yields coming down as well as as kind of probably on the back of some safe haven demand for for treasuries um, in that context. In terms of the the kind of news flow, there there wasn't really too much of interest, although certainly at, at the margin the the US data flow didn't didn't help the cause and didn't paint a particularly rosy picture but, of the but, outlook. But it's, but, it's um, corporate yeah, America, isn't it? Data it's there. corporate America which is really driving that sentiment a lot at the moment. So we've you know we've had bad earnings results. We had Cisco Systems uh, missing their revenue targets. They, they've dropped their forecasts as well. Uh, that knocked their shares down 17%. So it's things like that, isn't it? On top of, you know, what we saw with the, uh, the big retail brands as well, missing their forecasts and downgrading their, their, um, forecasts as well. So, I mean, it's, it's those numbers, I think, which are really shocking the markets, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's right. So we've seen kind of the, the data flow on, on retail sales remaining pretty robust. But as you say, the, the kind of the, the um, profit outlook downgrades by a couple of the, the big consumer companies seeing those kind of cost pressures coming through and, and, um, and weakening the, the growth yeah. outlook and, and the, the profit outlook, um, which is having having some impact as the, that inflation starts to bite and potentially not being able to just be be passed through as as readily onto end consumer prices as as had been expected earlier. But isn't it interesting because equity markets normally, so Cisco, you know, they're saying, yes, it's the war that we're sitting at the supply chain. So are those uh, China lockdowns. So it's the supply chain rather than the inflation issue. I guess the, the two go hand in hand. But I mean, equity markets normally, you know, they see through the hard times. They look for the sunny uplands 
maybe this time the uplands are just a little bit too far away, uh, which is why we're seeing everyone running to running to bonds. You know what I'm saying? It's normally like, well, we know what the problem is. The problem is it w- will go away at some point. So let's uh, let's price in according to that. You know, rather than. Yeah, let's 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 bail out of it. This doesn't look too good. Yeah, and I think that's where it's important to to kind of overlay that with with kind of investors continuing to weigh and size up what the growth outlook actually is in in the US and how much you know rates will need to increase and how much they'll need to crimp demand in order to um, to get inflation back under control. Um, and so, you know, look, looking further ahead, if if you are looking into potentially a, a, low, a slower growth outlook, um, then. Than had been expected before, or, or more central bank action, or, um, or a bigger impact of central bank tightening on demand in order to get those inflation numbers under control, then all of that would would feed back in. Right. So supply chains, we know hopefully they'll fix themselves. Is the question is is what a central bank's going to do in the meantime that everyone's uh, running scared from? I guess. So Australian market data, we had the uh, the unemployment numbers yesterday. I mean, they, the, the, the unemployment rate is in line with expectations. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's stuck at 3.9%. It's an all-time low. But a couple of caveats, the number of people working didn't actually increase that, num- that much, but the number of people opting out of the workforce did increase. So we've got a slightly lower participation rate. Uh, but uh, so, so that's interesting in itself, isn't it? You know, it's like the, the latest part of this great resignation. People just, you know opting out of the workforce and that's adding to the pressure yeah so as as you say the the labor market data yesterday did show the unemployment rate fall um to to 3.9 percent that it remained at 3.9 from a, a downwardly revised march um 3.9 number um and unrounded it was actually 3.85 so on the on the strong side there as well and as you mentioned the the lowest it's ever been in the history of the monthly series and you have to go back to to 1974 in the in the previous quarterly series to find a a lower unemployment rate than that. And we think that that, that unemployment rate coming in um, kind of around expectations and, and consistent with a, a still tightening labour market is probably the, the key headline takeaway. Um, as you know, employment growth was just 4K in the month, missing expectations for a 30,000 um, employment gain. Um, and so that wasn't enough to stop the unemployment rate ticking lower, though, because, as you mentioned, participation um, dipped a little bit lower. Um, and looking at kind of the, the even more granular um, disaggregations in the series, there was a, a fair bit of kind of volatility through there. And so, you know, a, a useful reminder that we do get this data monthly and, and month to month. Some of these series can be quite volatile, but certainly the way we're reading the overall trend is that it's it is consistent with that still tightening labour market. Yeah, well, isn't it very tight? I mean- and isn't that doesn't that become an inflation risk? Because if we look, you know, it doesn't matter that you know people have opted out of the workforce. If there's fewer people around to do jobs, then the employer is still on the back foot, aren't they? And uh, then you know the high the highest employment to population ratio, I think, in all time, isn't it? And certainly hours worked that's at an all time high. Underemployment uh, is at an all time low, or certainly since the the global financial crisis. Anyway, so all of those quite extraordinary. Doesn't that show that the labour market is so tight? that the demand for wages is just going to be so much higher. Yeah, that's right. Certainly this will be kind of increasing um, the, the confidence that the RBA has that the outlook is for um, a, a further lift and a further acceleration in, in wages growth from here. So if you kind of look at this in 
in conjunction with the the wages data that we got earlier this week on Wednesday, kind of you know another reminder that that is quite a, a lagging indicator and really reflects um, the labour market conditions kind of into late last year rather than kind of anything too contemporaneous. Um, and so you know you combine this with the the um, what the RBA is picking up in their in their latest liaison pro, um, program reads as well, which point to kind of a move higher in in wages growth. Um, then all of this kind of you know increasingly cements the case that that wages growth outlook um, is improving and that kind of more more sustained domestic wages and labour cost driven inflation that the RBA has been looking for is that story is bubbling away in the background, even as some other factors are pushing the headlines reads higher recently. Now, you know, it wasn't that long ago, uh, we were all trying to guess what the, the narrow rate, the non-accelerating rate of unemployment was. You know, the RBA was saying somewhere around 5%. Uh, here we are at 3.9% and getting lower. So by that logic, I mean, even if, you, if we didn't have supply chain difficulties, if we just had inflation uh, sitting where it is, and un- more importantly, unemployment sitting where it is, we'd still have those inflation concerns, even if we didn't have those supply chain, con- chain concerns, wouldn't we? So the RBA would sp- still presumably be lifting rates, even if all these supply channels were operating relatively normally. Yeah, I, I think that's right. So it's hard to know where where the Nairo is in, in real time or even after the fact, to be Lower fair. Than we the, RBA's, it was. <laughs> the, the RBA's latest kind of public comments around that um, were, were back in February, and they said something like the, the high threes or the low fours on the unemployment rate. So somewhere around here does seem about right. Yeah. Um, and then it's really just kind of for the how the RBA kind of responds to that, given the uncertainty, it's do you do you lean on the side of, of waiting to see it in, in the wages data to confirm that you can't actually achieve a lower unemployment rate, or do you do you look at look at the forecast and what you're picking up in the the more timely information and and, and get moving in in that context on on where you expect wages growth to be further out in the horizon? So what are they going to do? Are they, is this in? I mean, the, this isn't telling us anything surprising. The data yesterday, but it is reinforcing. You know, perhaps you know. A, close to what could be a worst case scenario you know in, in many people's minds so does this mean that they are going to step it up a bit do you think so we we think that this the data flow this week this combined with the wages data yesterday is is consistent with the story that the RBA painted in May there's not really any big surprises here on on either of those numbers um and so we think that it's still still consistent with a, a string of 25 basis point moves over over the next three meetings. Um, and then it, it really depends on the data flow from from um, over that period as well, whether kind of whether that that sort of pace continues. Now, normally we steer well clear of politics for obvious reasons on uh, the morning call, but we can't ignore the fact that there is an election tomorrow. Uh, it uh, It's tight. Uh, Sportsbet has Labour winning 76 to 80 seats, uh, but generally the polling is suggesting a hung parliament. So lots of bickering for, for many years, in other words. But, I mean, uh, normally there might be some sort of market reaction, but I guess uh, maybe not this time, uh, because, you know, stronger forces are at play than the Australian government when it comes to determining, you know, the position of the Aussie dollar or or even the direction of the economy right now. I, I think that's fair enough. Unlikely to be kind of too, too many p- particularly big implications for, for markets from the election result. 
the, the polling, the most recent polling that we've seen come in is a, a little bit tighter than what it might have been suggesting a, a couple of weeks ago, um, but still has Labor very much in, in poll position. Not sure I would want to be Prime Minister trying to figure out what to do right now. I might think it's better to sit it out and come back in a few years when it might be a bit easier. Look, the ECB has published their account of the last meeting that uh, this is the 14th of April meeting. Uh, I mean, this really did highlight the dilemma that central banks face. I'll read one line from it. It said some members argued adjusting the monetary policy stance too aggressively could prove counterproductive as it would lower growth. You know, as we're talking about today, lower growth while inflation remained elevated because monetary policy was unable to address the immediate causes of high inflation. So the minutes say, you know, this is the that there was agreement on a gradual normalization of monetary policy. For that very reason, this fear about if they go too hard, uh, what's it going to do to uh, to economic growth? Although it seems like that maybe the tone has changed a little bit since that meeting, because it was more than a month ago, and we you know we are hearing about raising rates earlier. But I mean that just shows. I mean that's that's the conversation being had by central banks all over the place, and now everyone is you know. Uh, asking the same question, what is this going to do to growth? Yeah, that that kind of that theme you you pointed out there is very much the the key with the the drivers of inflation, especially in in Europe and the UK at the moment, and that trade off with growth. A couple of other comments from the the minutes did stand out though. So there was a an assessment that it was relatively unlikely that the drag on private demand from the war would be severe enough to reduce inflation substantially over the medium term. So that does suggest that mm. there probably is some space for a, a monetary policy response um, on top of that. Um, and you pointed out that that some members um, were um, cautioned against adjusting monetary policy too aggressively, um, saying that could be counterproductive. But on the other side of that, some members also viewed that it was important to, to act without undue delay. Um, and in the context of, as you say, kind of a lot of comments that was heard from ECB speakers since um, that meeting shifting kind of more in a more hawkish direction. One other point that was interesting was that the the minutes repeated that the guidance for um, a, a liftoff in in um, rate rises being some time after those APP purchases end. Um, they re- reminded that after the March meeting, some time was defined as somewhere between one one week and and several months. So the the key takeaway from that is that if APP does end in June, then a July high is is consistent with with that guidance mm, yeah seeming more more likely isn't it now they had a budget in new zealand yesterday not much reaction to that no big surprises in the budget i guess but they, you know they've pushed back the point at which they will get their budget back in surplus but you know you assume every single government in the world will be will be doing precisely that uh, but we get their trade balance out this morning for new zealand uh, which will no doubt be hit by the, the the cost of imports so we also get japan's cpi which uh, will include a positive inflation figure for japan uh, consumer confidence for europe as well and the uk uh, we know that not happy jan basically is going to be the uh, the read on that and uk retail sales as well uh, today so do you want to comment on uh, on any of that apart from obviously those retail so however bad it might get, get might get in australia at least we can look at those uk numbers and go oh well actually it's not as bad as that here yeah yeah retail sales in the uk are seen declining again in april if not as much as they they did last month um i guess one the only thing to note one thing to watch out for is that those inflation numbers in in japan are expected to to jump up to 2.5 percent year on year from from 1.2 on on that year ended number um and a lot of that is just because some some base effects from a 
a, a fallen cell phone plan costs about a year ago drop out of that calculation and so more more accurately reflect the um the surge in energy prices that we've seen recently that are contributing to that um but of uh, japan um core inflation rates are still seen quite low and only expected to to move up to 0.7 percent right. year on year very good excellent thanks for that we'll catch you again soon thanks for coming on thanks phil that's Taylor Nugent and Phil Dobby for now. Back again on Monday morning. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the sausage sizzle. I hope you get one at your local polling booth. I'll see you on Monday morning. See you then. Bye.